We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. There isn't. He's right. I'm still here. We're all still here. We're all together. Getting ready for another Bill season. This is life. We just go round and round and round. We go preseason, regular season, draft season. Draft season generally, in my experience, starts for the Bills in like late October, early November. Certainly before December. But this year, I think we're hoping uh, that that will not be the case, of course. What's up, everybody? It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. I'm uh, looking for your calls tonight at 803-0550, your texts at 550-550, and your tweets at SneakyJoeWGR. We got a preseason game tomorrow night, so I'll not be on with you tomorrow, but I will be on Friday. We got Bills and Vikings kickoff at 7. Pre-game will start at 5 here on WGR. Tyree Jackson, Christian Wade, David Sills, a lot of guys you're going to see tomorrow probably do not make this team. I do have a few players, though, that I'm really looking for, and whether they're playing at all or how they play, and if they can uh, squeak into this roster, this 53-man roster. i got a few names that I'm looking to see tomorrow night and what happens with them. Um, I'll get into that in just a few minutes. There's a little bit of a coaching thing I want to bring up, kind of thinking about Chan Gailey, who came up earlier on the afternoon show, and kind of there. there's more similarities than might meet the eye between him and Sean McDermott. And what what's interesting about Gailey is when you look back on his time as the Bills head coach, he was different than a lot of the others. Offensive-minded, little more forward-thinking, you know, little uh, a lot of a lot of passing game uh, stuff that he was always looking to to be better at. Like that, that's where he looked to improve the team. It was always okay. We're going to do it, and we're going to do it through the pass game. I don't really care that Ryan Fitzpatrick's my quarterback. We're going to do the best that we can with him leading the way. And I wonder, I do wonder a lot if Chan Gailey would have been better as a head coach if they had the quarterback in place because. McDermott and Bean, they get a lot of credit for the culture aspect of, of this whole thing, right? They get a lot of credit for it. They, the, the types of characters they bring into the locker room, the types of leaders they bring into the locker room, they very clearly have a preference towards veteran leadership-type players. Lorenzo Alexander, Frank Gore, um, Matt Barkley, and before that, Derek Anderson, 
There's a lot of guys that kind of fit that mold. And to me, the way I think of the culture is I don't, I don't think that it doesn't matter at all. I think there is value to it. But the value for it comes more in the infrastructure. It comes, I, I think the whole culture argument, what gets lost in it is I think what the actual answer to what it does for you, it does not make you good. I don't think that's the case. I don't think because the Bills and New England, for instance, I don't think New England having one of the strongest cultures in the league is what makes them good. Now, it makes them good for a long time. It can sustain success. It won't make success. You need the talent to have the success in the first place. But if the culture comes with it, then you know what? Maybe it lasts a a lot longer than... In, a, in another place that might be running a loose ship. Maybe. And Gailey, to me, when I think about the culture and the there was a caller earlier today in the station that was was kind of bringing up how McDermott and the Bills, like they're always jumping around on the sidelines. They they seem like a very cohesive unit. And that's that's fair. Last week, Frank Gore takes a dirty hit out of bounds, and there's Josh Allen right in the guy's face. There's all the Bills flocking to the scene to stick up for their running back. That's a cohesive unit. Gailey kind of had that too. That was a cohesive unit. Like Stevie Johnson went uh, went to a Halloween party dressed as his coach. Like they kind of had that guy's back, and he seemed to... He seemed to kind of relate to the players more than some of the other coaches, like Dick Jerron and even Rex Ryan. And, I don't know, Gailey seemed to be closer to McDermott in that respect. But the talent wasn't there. So if they couldn't be good to begin with, then how much does it matter how long it's going to last? And I think that's kind of where I'm at with the Bills right now, with McDermott, with Bean. I'm still not convinced, nor should I be, nor should anybody, that this thing is going to work. You can be optimistic that it's going to, but you can't be sure. Because there's way too much to figure out on the roster. There's way too much to find out player-wise who's actually going to be a great player. Is Josh Allen going to be great? Is Deion Dawkins going to be great? Is Devin Singletary going to be great? Is any of the receivers going to be great? Is Ed Oliver going to be great? Are you going to find a pass rusher? Matt Milano, will he bounce back? There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of stuff to be optimistic about, but they are, in another way, unknown commodities. And what I do like is the Bills seem to be chasing ceilings once in a while. They're they're going around their roster, and Robert Foster's on the team. He's got a very high ceiling as a player. Josh Allen, they drafted him last year. He wouldn't have been the guy I picked, but what I do respect is he had the highest ceiling, seemingly, of any of the quarterbacks. And that's the guy they picked. If you continue to do that, eventually you're going to hit on enough players, and then you're going to be good. And then, then the culture might actually matter to how good you are and for how long you're going to be good. But the quarterback's got to be good. The offense needs to be better. The, they need to think differently than... Rex Ryan. Ultimately, that's going to be my biggest worry until you really see that it's not the case. That this is just a more mature version of the Rex Ryan regime. That's my ultimate worry. Because 
as much as you know, Rex got criticized for how what he did game decision wise and what he did with the roster and how he how he handled the defense. But you know what? It sounded like Rex was a guy that was the first was the last to arrive in the morning and the first to leave at night. And you don't get the sense that's the same thing with this coaching staff. So there are differences there. I think you've got a lot uh, going on right now in this regime with hard work and like they're they're going to at least try their best. However, they're going to try to do it. They're going to try their best at it. So in that way, you've got a more mature version of the Rex Ryan regime. But will they deviate from Rex Ryan in other areas? Deviate from we're going to win it my way. We're going to win it smash mouth football style. We're going to win it with great defense. We're, we can win it. I don't care who my quarterback is. We're not going to throw the ball more than 25 times a game. When New England beats you down, puts up 500 yards of offense, and does it through the air, not to take offense when someone says your team got run over. Because that happened. Rex Ryan took offense by someone saying his team got run over after they allowed 500 yards, but because they were through the air, he took offense with it. That is, in essence, the old-school way of thinking for football. The blue-collar way of thinking. And I'm still yet to really figure out what's... Where on that spectrum, because it's not black or white, you're not either blue-collar or you're you're futuristic uh, wizard as an offensive mind. There is middle ground, and I think the Bills are going to fall somewhere in the middle, but where on that spectrum will they lie? Because if, let's, let's say for in a perfect world, Sean McDermott would like to become a great team by being good in the pass game and... You just can't stop them on the ground. You just can't stop them. They are running you over. LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, Devin Single, anyone that's playing the position is just running you over. The offensive line is just beating up the defensive line on the defensive side of the football. You just can't score on them. If that's the type of team Sean McDermott would like to build, you know what? If you do all of that perfect, maybe it could work. But if it starts to come about that, hey, Josh Allen's really good. And, hey, you don't have a lot at running back. And maybe your defense isn't as good as you like would have hoped. And you might not be able to win games by running the ball on first and second down, running the ball 20, 30 times a game. You might not be able to do it that way. I think, I might have se- I think I've seen enough so far that makes me think they would adapt for the betterment of the team. And that's, you know, that, that should come as a given, but it really doesn't. Because I think the last coach we saw before McDermott didn't have that. It was going to be his way. That was the only way they were going to be good. Because if they weren't going to do, if they weren't going to be good his way, they weren't going to be good. And I get the feeling, although I'm like I said, I'm not really convinced of this because of how they talk. But I get the feeling that something that this regime has going for them with McDermott and Bean, is the adaptability. Last year was maybe the first time I really you really started to see that, I think. 
when the midway point of the year came and the type of re- the receiving core they had built wasn't working, they completely changed it over. They went in a more modern, new direction with separation and f- speed, and it worked. And they continued off of that. When they started the year with Nathan Peterman at quarterback and they were running eye formation and a lot of play action and running the football between the tackles and that was not working, by the end of the year, what were they doing? Josh Allen was in an empty set. They were spreading the field. They had a running quarterback. They were chucking the ball downfield more than any team in the league. They weren't the most successful at it, but the Bills threw downfield with Josh Allen at quarterback more than anybody. They allowed their offense to evolve. Now, only the style evolved. The talent level, you know, it went up, but not by leaps and bounds. We're not talking about a great offense yet. But, can you continue to infiltrate that offense? Can you continue to put talent all around it? So that now that the offense has evolved, now it can legitimately be good. And now you can start to at least keep up. Like if you get down against New England, it's not a it's not a game over type of situation. Because that's really been the Bills for most of the drought, right? If you haven't been up on New England, you have no chance. You have to be up on them and pray that you can hold on. That seems to be the, the way they try to win every time. So there's a couple of things there that makes me think, all right, a little adaptable, right? Adaptable. But they haven't gone all the way. There are still spots on the team and spots on the roster that I think they get hunkered down in what they think works, and they can they keep going back to it. And I think running back is one of those positions where they keep going for veteran leadership guys that, you know, they're not thinking about speed yet at running back, I don't think. They might have the slowest group of running backs in the league. Like, even Singletary. I love Singletary and what he might present for the roster. But he's not fast. He's not, he's not blazing speed. We're not talking about Tariq Cohen here. We're not talking about, you know, even some of the other running backs that got drafted behind him. Like Justice Hill. Like, he's not a home run hitter. I think he's going to be really good if he keeps on this track. But he's not a home run hitter. So there's that. And... Really, the rest of it is uh, kind of coming along, though, I would say. Like, there's a couple holdups, but for the most part, it's coming along. But how much further do they really need to go? If the offense becomes middle of the road, if the defense is good again, are they going to be content with that? Will they sit there and say, all right, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. Let's say they go 10 and 6 with that formula cuz that's realistic. If they're a top 5 defense again and they're 15th in offense, they could they could definitely go 10 and 6. That could be a playoff team. Will they be content with that formula? Or will they continue to try to get better because if a situation comes around or a an opportunity comes about where there's a stud receiver on the market, despite all the guys they have, would they still do it? Would they still go for it? Because as good as John Brown is, not great. As good as Cole Beasley is, not great. These are not superstar receivers. And they have contracts that you can move on from. 
I'd love to see something happen like that, where if someone comes available, would the Bills, even in the face of some success, be willing to change like that, be willing to take a gamble like that, to be bold? And again, a little optimistic that we have those guys in place here, being with all the trades he's made, you would have to think he would be a guy that would at least consider that. But this is the year where I think we really find that out. This is the year where we really start to find out not just what they have a quarterback, but what they have a head coach and what they have a general manager. It's the nightcap with Jody Biasi. I want to get in some players to watch for in tomorrow night's game. Is there one guy that you think is going to play that you're looking forward to seeing the most? I got a couple things to look out for for Bills Vikings tomorrow at 7. A um, couple things we're going to get to later in the show. Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports was on with One Bills Live earlier today. He was actually on Show Open the Bulldog last week. Before He was in Buffalo. Uh, to watch the Bills practice. When he was on with Chopin the Bulldog, it was just after he had seen them practice. Today, he dropped his piece on Josh Allen and what he sees out of Allen coming into this year. I think he's one of the the guys that's higher on Allen than most. So we'll hear from Therese Paler uh, probably in the second hour as well. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. Give me your calls at 803-0550. We'll get you on right after the break here on WGR. can't be worried about what other people are doing. You know, it is a communication thing, and that's why we have all these calls and why we have all these things. You know, rules is because if someone else gets in there, it's not like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Same thing with quarterback, same thing with running back. I mean, these positions can be kind of moved around, and you know, other people can be in there just because of the communication, why we have the playbook, why we have all these things. That is Wyatt Teller. He is actually one of the players that I'll uh, I'll give it away here. The guys I'm looking forward to seeing on Thursday night, which is tomorrow against the Vikings, is uh, Wyatt Teller. He played a little right tackle last game, which could be a sign that they're seeing uh, what type of versatility he presents because one thing he might not have going for him is a lot of these other guys he's competing with, like he's talking about there, have versatility. So we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in a few minutes. Players that I'm looking forward to seeing um, if they can do enough tomorrow to make the team tomorrow night. 803 is the phone number. Kind of got into the coaching staff and the GM and this regime overall, whether it's going to work or not. And, you know, at the end of the day for me, it's just I'm optimistic about it, but I just don't really know how anybody can be totally sold yet because you hear from fans that, like, they're in. And it's fine to be in. But there should be caution. We should know, right? Shouldn't Bills fans know at this point? How many times, how many different coaches, how many different quarterbacks, how many different GMs? There's always been some reason to be optimistic, and you try to find it. But always with a grain of salt until it actually happens. And to me, it has not happened yet. I don't know how you could say that. They went 6-10 last year. They, they got lucky in a way to make the playoffs two years ago. They were better than people thought, but they still needed a lot of luck for that to happen. And I, I always will wonder how much different it would be right now if Andy Dalton does not make that pass. It'd be at least a little different, but I wonder how much. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on tomorrow's game or this regime in general. Uh, give me your thoughts at 803-0550. Let's go to Buzz and Buffalo first. Buzz, what's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Hey, what's up, Joe? How you doing tonight? Good, how about you? 
Good, good, good. Um, hey, you know, about this regime, a couple things. Bean seems to have a good handle on drafting, which is a total crapshoot, right? You know, I mean, you're picking these guys and whatever. Like, they're hitting on late-round picks, it seems. Uh, so I totally trust Bean in talent evaluation. Um, and then as far as the offense goes, I'm with you. I don't want to see an archaic running game, all right? Like, we, we, we don't need that. Anymore, yep. Okay, we, we, we don't want to see that. You know, you've got Devin Singletary. Make sure he gets his touches. You know, you, be diverse to tight ends, all that. Now, Dayball is going to mix it up. It's going to be from week to week. One week, it comes from New England, you know. So one week, you might get right. 35 running attempts. Next week, you might get 40 passes. You know, you might go deep. You might not. Whatever. It's going to, and I hope that's the case. So let's not let's give him the whole let's give him the whole season to judge him on. And I I, I believe in him actually. I do. Um, Allen's going to be the big key, obviously. But the one thing that you mentioned about, you know, would the Bills be uh, new era enough? To go and, and find like a wide receiver that might be available on the market. Yep. Dude, they just tried to trade for Antonio Brown, the biggest nut job there is in, in the league right now, and they wanted him. And it would have been a great trade moving down from nine to twenty, swapping nine for twenty. Great trade. I mean, everyone wanted it, you know. And they tried to do it. They did try to do that, but keep in mind they didn't try to go for Beckham, even though reportedly the Giants called and asked if we the, the Bills were interested, and they weren't. And they, since then, have signed John Brown and Cole Beasley. So that's all I'm saying is, like, I get that they did do that, and that would make me optimistic that they would do it again. But if they're somewhat good this year, and if John Brown and Cole Beasley are what we all expect them to be, what, what, what they've been, good receivers, not great, would they go ahead and just say, all right, I think we're okay, we don't really need to take this risk anymore? When a couple months ago, like you mentioned, they did feel that they needed to do that, but they didn't feel they needed to do with Beckham. So I don't really know how to gauge where they will end up on an issue like that. I'll, I'll, let me get this in real quick, and I'll let you go. Uh, to me, and I'm glad you mentioned Beckham, because I was just thinking about it. I'm like, they could have maybe got Beckham, too. But in my opinion, and I'm not a scout, i watched a lot of football in my life, but I, I would rather have Brown than Beckham. I like Brown better than Beckham. But um, love the show. You have a good night. All right. Thanks, Buzz. Um, that's, a, that's a question to chew on there. I, to me, I, it's fair to say I'd rather have Brown. I hope we're talking strictly on the field because the the fact that people compare Beckham and Antonio Brown off the field just blows my mind. Like Beckham gets a lot of crap for being like a diva receiver and you know by football player standards sure he's a diva, but by receiver standards we've seen a lot worse. What has Odell Beckham really done bad? You got to do it with a with a net on the sidelines. Brown quit on his team. Brown quit on his team. He didn't show up in their most important game of the season. And then he threatened to retire. Like, real issues off the field. Real questions that make you think whether this guy really wants to play football anymore. Beckham, yeah, there's drama, but you should never question whether that guy is going to show up for his team. He does it. And I think they had a chance at him. If the reporting was right, they had a chance at Beckham. I... I think I wish they did that. I really do. At the end of the day, I wish they did that. That would have made me feel a lot more confident in this offense. Because I do think, even though I really like Brown and Beasley, like, I don't want to take anything away from them by making this point. Because actually, I would have liked to see them here with a guy like that. But I think that is the one thing you're still missing. Who is 
the superstar offensive player, or it doesn't even have to be a superstar, who's the elite-level offensive player that when things get tough for Josh Allen, he can go to? Could be a tight end, could be a running back, could be a receiver, hell, could be a lineman. Just a guy that Allen knows every single play, I could count on that guy. And he would have been that. And I really wish they did it. I really wish they did. Me personally, I like Beckham more than Brown. But again, maybe they would do that again. Maybe if another Antonio Brown becomes available, hopefully not as much of a head case, they would go for it. Because they tried to do it. So we'll see. I don't think they need that for this year. I think they have bigger fish to fry. I still think a pass rusher is more... uh, is higher up the list right now of things you need. I think you still need to make sure the offensive line is good. Like I think the receivers, they're at least going to be somewhat good. I, that's not a big dire need right now. That's another reason, by the way, to feel optimistic about the Bills. Because even though they might not have a bunch of amazing players at every position, name the position where you think they're like they're just they're starving for something. I, I don't think there is one. Like the Jets today traded for a corner. They traded a six round pick because they have no corners. They're starving for the secondary. And the Bills don't have a spot. I don't think they have any roster spot like that. So, take that Beckham point with a grain of salt. I wish they did that, but I don't really think they desperately needed to. 803 is the phone number. Mike, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joel, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Love this topic. Um, what you just said right now about not having a go-to guy on offense... I, I like the fact that they have a bunch of guys that they can maybe go to. Yep. And you can throw you can throw so many different looks at different teams. When you got like, everyone cries about the running back, I hear Show always going crazy about why we why do we have four backs? You can throw so many different sets and looks with those four guys, provided that second round pick rookie makes the team and you got Gore and Shady, which is great. And even on offense like Brown and Beasley Zay Jones, you got a lot of options. You can throw a lot of different looks. And I think Dable is taking a playbook or a, or a page out of the old New England look from a few years back. They got multiple guys. Yeah, they're not all superstars, but they got to find me a guy on this team where you're like, I don't have zero confidence in them. I don't think we can say that. And there's, it's nice, it's nice to have an abundance of players at different positions so guys can step in and be the next man up in case injuries happen, and suspensions happen, or all kinds of things. And your, your point about culture, I like the fact that the culture is being set now so that as they continue to get better step-by-step, step, and the regime's proven they're not going to jump the gun on anything. They're going to do things on a five-year plan. And it looks like they're heading there. And we won't know until this year is over and see what it looks like, but they're definitely on the right track, and I'm happy about that as a fan. Yeah, thanks for the call, Mike. Five-year plan, wow. I don't think I've ever ever heard anyone say that about the Bills. A five-year plan, like, you might be right, though. Because you don't, you don't come into a team talking about a five-year plan. You don't do that. No one is that patient. But when you get a playoff year, and then you get a young quarterback, and you got Brady in the division... That's three more years from now. Brady's, should I say probably done? Should I say probably done? Realistically, he could be done. I don't hate the point. Yeah, I don't hate the point. That they're kind of doing everything with that in mind. If that's the case, then things are going well. 
But it is rare that people get that much rope if things don't work to some extent beforehand. You can't just be seven and nine, eight and eight for four years and expect to get that fifth year. I just don't think that happens. But maybe that playoff year bought them some time. Um, and you know what? Like having a lot of options is good, but I want a lot of great options. New England, I think they, I think it's over said. It's the point is overrated. It's become a bit of a narrative that. They just throw anybody in with Tom Brady and they do great. Like, yeah, that happens. For sure. And there have been years where Brady doesn't have a ton to work with and makes it work. But don't think for a second that they haven't had some great players around Tom Brady. Rob Gronkowski is the best tight end in NFL history. He was there for 10 years. Like, the whole last decade. They've had the best tight end in NFL history. So all this stuff that Br- talk about how Brady hasn't had much to work with, they just they have a bunch of a bunch of options and they spread it around. And yeah, that's fair. But you knew who Brady was going to be looking to in that Super Bowl last year when things weren't working. You throw it to Gronk, the best tight end ever. And even if you don't think he's the best tight end ever, you would at least admit that he's arguably the best tight end ever. They've had him. They had a few years there with Randy Moss. Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. He had 20-something touchdowns. Did he have 27 touchdowns in a year? He had 20. Even Welker and Edelman, like, yeah, Brady, def- don't get me wrong, Brady makes them look better than they are. But at what they do, at their craft, slot receiver, creating separation, Look, if you look at the metrics on what Welker was and what Edelman is now, they're both really good too. They, those are great players. That's a lot of them they've had. So yeah, Brady makes a lot of scrubs look great. He's also had some great players. And having a lot of options to me is not enough. I want to have a lot of great options. I want what Kansas City has one day. One day. I don't need that to happen right now. I think they did the best they could have on the short term. Like To, to basically build an offense from scratch in one offseason, it's hard to see them doing better than they did. Maybe landing Brown or Beckham would have been it. But they did pretty, dang, pretty darn well for that. But ultimately, I want this team to think about Kansas City. I want them to see that happening. I want when, when Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott go home at night after the games and they turn on Sunday night football and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing, I... I want them in the back of their heads to watch those games and think that's going to be us one day. I want that. Because Kansas City, hey, the Bills, you're right. The Bills have a lot of options. They do. They have a bunch of respectable options. Beasley, Brown, Zay Jones, Foster, Duke Williams maybe. Four running backs. They've got a lot of guys that Allen can consider when he drops back to pass. Mahomes and what they've built around him. That's where you want to get. They have some of the fastest players in the league. Mahomes drops back and hits Tyree Hill. An elite receiver. The best at getting separation in the league. Travis Kelsey. Now the Gronk's, Gronk's gone. The best tight end in football. 
Sammy Watkins. Overpaid? Sure. Injury prone? Sure. If he's your number two wide receiver, wow, that's good. Not to mention that all the draft capital they've used in the last year or two. Michael Hardman and Darwin Thompson and DeAnthony Thomas and Chris Connolly. I don't think he's there anymore. But like they, they continue to add all of these fast guys. Because then you just run straight ahead. You make all the corners think you're going deep. And then you stop and you look around. Mahomes is looking at you. you got 10 yards around you. I want the Bills to look at them as an example. And I think you should be able to do that. You don't have to be Kansas City, but you could be a watered-down Kansas City, and it's still going to be a really good offense because that quarterback over there, Allen's never going to be as consistent as Mahomes is. But the things Mahomes can do on the field, Allen can do on the field. He might not be able to do them as often, but he can do them. You can build your offense in their mold. You can do it. And interestingly enough, the caller there, Mike, like you're right, Dable, or was it Buzz that said Dable? Like give him a whole year. I Dable might be the thing I'm most excited about on this team that's not a player. But he's an offensive coordinator. And if it goes really, really, really well, of course, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't want them to be worse off so he can stick around. But if it goes really, really well, that guy gets hired by a head coach somewhere or gets to be a head coach somewhere. And is it just the coordinator or is it their entire way of thinking? Because Dennison, do you remember him? Holy cow, was that the most Manila offense we've ever seen. 803 is the phone number. I didn't get to the players I'm looking for tomorrow night. I'll get to that right after the break here on WGR. Training camp, that was new for me and new for a lot of guys that came in, like Cole and them. You know, as a team, I feel like we worked with whatever we had, whatever senior we were in. From St. John Fisher to Carolina, we brought energy, you know, each and every place we came to and the transition over to preseason games. And now we're here, and now we're at the you know last preseason game, and we're going to try to finish strong. That is Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie. He's a guy who might be still battling for a roster spot. I'd like to think he's safe by the fact he's only played two snaps in the last two games. But who knows? Who knows what's going on right now? Um, Bills Vikings is tomorrow. 7 o'clock. And there are, of course, a lot of uh, battles to be done to see if uh, who's going to make this roster. And here, I want to give you now a few players and things I am looking for tomorrow night. Things to watch for in Bills-Vikings, the fourth preseason game. Which, by the way, I will say, as far as fourth preseason games go, it's pretty good. For me personally. So, big fantasy guy. There's this Alex Madison for the Vikings out of Boise State, third round pick. Delvin Cook, a lot of injury issues throughout his career. Maybe Alex Madison becomes their starter sometime this season or next year. Who knows? He'll, I would think, get a lot of snaps tomorrow. He's a guy I'm going to be looking for. He's really the only thing I'll be looking for on the Minnesota side of the field, but I'll be interested in Alex Madison. For the Bills, though, 
it's kind of, it boils down for me how it affects the 53-man roster. But, before actually, before I get to that, finish my point on tomorrow being about as good as it gets for a fourth preseason game. You get Tyree Jackson. Is he not the most interesting Bills quarterback to start a fourth preseason game? And how long? When compared to Keith Wenning and Matt Leinart. Well, Matt Leinart's interesting, I guess, but not in terms of the future. And maybe Tyree Jackson makes the practice squad. UB, like, there's a lot to go on there. And you could do a lot worse for a quarterback playing in a fourth preseason game. So, Christian Wade is the first thing I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. He says he's going to be playing a lot, and there's still a decision to be made on him. I don't think there's any chance he makes the active roster. But, if he comes out tomorrow night, and he starts breaking off big runs again, and finally the Bills just like, okay, we just we got to do something. Maybe they put him on the regular practice squad so that, hey, maybe some time down the line this season we'll bring him up and we'll give him uh, we'll give him some time with the real team. For me, I don't almost care what he does tomorrow. I would want to see him on the practice squad with the international allocation. Just keep him down there, let him learn the game, bring him up on the team next year, and maybe he can be part of a backfield that's led by Devin Singletary uh, in the future. So Christian Wade... What happens with a larger sample size? We'll see what happens tomorrow with him. Who plays at wide receiver? Not even how they do. Who plays? McKenzie's played two snaps in the last two games. If he plays a lot tomorrow, that's going to make me think that he's on the bubble. Duke Williams, if he plays a lot tomorrow, he probably will. Duke Williams, I think almost for sure, will probably get first-team snaps. Well, I guess third-team snaps since Tyree Jackson will be the quarterback. But I think he probably plays a lot. Zay Jones, Foster, do either of them play? Because there's reason to think they might. Zay Jones played into the second half last game. Robert Foster played on special teams. If there's any doubt in their minds about those guys making the team, we see them tomorrow. Brown, I don't think you see. Beasley, I don't think you see. You could see any of the other receivers because I'm not sure, maybe not Roberts, but I don't think anyone else is safe past those two. Going off of what Sal said and what the Bills have sounded like, Maybe Jones plays tomorrow. Maybe Foster does play tomorrow. And that would definitely be a sign to me that they are not safe. Tight end. Jason Kroom is returning tomorrow. We have not seen him in camp, really. We have not seen him in the preseason. He's kind of the odd man out right now. He might be saved by the fact that Tyler Croft might be bound for the, the pup list, for the physically unable to perform list, which would keep him out to week six. If that's the case, the Bills might want to keep four tight ends around since two of the other ones are rookies. And then there's Lee Smith. When it comes to pass-catching tight ends, if Josh Allen drops back to pass, it's only going to be rookies. And I don't think necessarily that has to be a bad thing, but you might want a veteran guy in there, I mean second year, you might want a guy in there that knows a little bit more about what he's doing, feels a little bit more comfortable, is in, in shock about the, the stage, because you know Lee Smith, even though he's a veteran, is no factor in the pass game. So does Kroom do enough tomorrow to either warrant them keeping four tight ends, or even make them think twice about Tommy Sweeney. I think that's a, that's very unlikely. That guy was their first team tight end for a lot of the preseason and training camp. But, hey, if Lee Smith is going to be here, maybe Kroon could knock out Lee Smith. If they like Sweeney enough, he's a good blocking tight end. They could think to themselves, all right, Sweeney could be our blocking tight end. We don't need Lee Smith anymore, so we'll keep Jason Kroon as an added pass catcher. We'll see if Jason Kroon can throw his hat in this tight end ring tomorrow. Then, on the offensive line, Wyatt Teller, who I played a clip from last segment, and I mentioned him. He played a little right tackle 
in the last game. Does that mean the Bills are trying to find out if he's versatile or not? Because it, that might be a sign that he might be a step behind. I thought he was okay last year when he played. It was hard to really gauge that because there was the whole offensive line was bad in general. If he can prove that versatility, that'll be a big feather in his cap towards making this 53-man roster because it's going to be a tough one, I think, for Wyatt Teller. Maybe he gets a, a bit of a boost in his chances to do it because Quentin Spain is hurt right now. One more, and this one might surprise you. I think this guy's going to play. I think we're going to see Ed Oliver tomorrow night. I know he's a first-round rookie. I know he's listed as a starter, but he struggled. He really has struggled in the preseason. And if I'm the Bills, I'm wondering whether he is ready for a big workload right off the bat as the starting defensive tackle. It's going to be a rotation no matter what, but is he going to be at the top of that rotation? I think you might want to get him a little more in the mix tomorrow, a little more comfortable. I think we see some at Oliver, and especially when you have the depth that you do with that position, I think you can afford to kind of take the fourth preseason game and allow him to get his feet a little bit more wet. And also, while you're doing that, find out if you're comfortable with him starting for you against the Jets. Because if he's not ready to do it, you have a guy in Jordan Phillips, who I really like, is an athletic, run-plugging defensive tackle that also has enough athletic ability to rush the passer, which to me is a big difference between him and Starla Tulele. There's a guy that I would be comfortable having start. If I'm the Bills, I'm comfortable with Jordan Phillips starting if I'm in a pinch like that. If I don't think Ed Oliver's ready, throw Phillips in there. And you might want to find out if you have to do that tomorrow night. So Ed Oliver, another guy I'm looking for tomorrow. Again, I don't know that he's going to play. He might not. But I might guess that he's going to. All right. Those are some players that I'm looking for. Ed Oliver, Wyatt Teller, Jason Kroom, who plays at wide receiver, and also Christian Wade, of course. But I think everyone's kind of you want to see what Christian Wade does, right? With some sample size? We'll see what happens. All right, I'm going to take a timeout here. We'll get to Therese Paler in the second hour. We'll continue our Bills conversation about the coach, about the GM, and what the Bills have been building up here, culture, et cetera, et cetera. 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Wonder whatever happened to that guy. Something happened to him. Maybe we'll try to find him. Get him on the show. He's part of the show in a way. I don't no idea who he is. We could find him, I'm sure. Welcome back, hour two of the nightcap, Jody Biasi, and it's going to be uh, final hour for well, only two days. Forgot, you got a show on Friday. Bills Vikings is tomorrow. Then I'll be back with you on Friday night before the weekend, and then I'll also be hosting a sports talk Saturday this Saturday from eleven to two. So you'll get a bunch of me on the station coming up in the next few days, and also me and Nate will be uh, bringing your post game tomorrow uh, after Bills Vikings. I think we'll do a fifty-three man roster projection maybe, and. 
take anything that we see tomorrow and kind of input that into how we think the roster is going to shape up. Which, by the way, one guy that I had in my list of players I'm watching for to see if they can make the team tomorrow, I took out of there in Daryl Johnson. With Mike Love, the defensive end, being put on on IR, I don't see a scenario that Daryl Johnson does not make this team. So I took him out of there. I think he's on this team. He was going to play tomorrow, I'm sure. Second stringers, third stringers usually play, and he's a rookie. But I think Daryl Johnson's on this team. Anyways, Therese Paler, who I mentioned the last hour, Yahoo senior writer, was on with Shopin' the Bulldog last week while he was in town uh, watching the Bills practice, and then he dropped a piece on Josh Allen. He's one of the guys that's a little bit higher on Josh Allen than others, and then he joined uh, Murph and Tasker to kind of kind of little insight into that piece um, earlier today in the station. So here is uh, Therese Paler joining Murph and Tasker earlier today right here on WGR. Going to talk about quarterbacks right now with a senior writer for Yahoo Sports covering the NFL, the host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, and longtime beat reporter covering the Chiefs for the Kansas City Star. Happy to have Therese Paler on the line with us. Hello, Therese. John Murphy, Steve Tasker here in Buffalo. Thanks for joining us. Hey, yeah, no problem. How's it going, guys? It's going well. You were just here, well. what, last week? We missed you last week, but you were in town watching the Bills last week here in Orchard Park, huh? Yeah, I know, I know, but I figured I could kind of touch base with you guys when my story actually came out. So um, it did come out, and I just posted a tweet thread, uh, about 20 or so tweets from my observations from my time in lovely upstate New York. So I'm ready to go now if you guys are. We're ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to ask you to start out, but your article is about Josh Allen and his being coming a face of the franchise. What do you think about his chances, about all that's happened here in this first year and a half? Have the Bills done enough to help this guy? I think that they've certainly tried. Um, at least $54.1 million in guaranteed money they've spent just on offense uh, in free agency this year. Um, I think – Cole Beasley is going to be a huge help. They're banking on him to kind of be Josh Allen's security blanket, which he didn't even have last year when he was still kind of a playmaker, right? Um, and then John Brown's a guy who's a deep threat. They think he can do more, but he's going to bring a he's going to help bring a field stretching component. Um, and I think it's interesting that Allen, who says he can throw the ball eighty yards, you know, I asked him, I'm like, have you been able to overthrow John Brown yet? And he's like, no, not yet. So. <laughs> Uh, um, listen, I think if you add those two to Zay Jones, who's a good player, um, you know, and then you've got all these running backs. I, look, I think Buffalo's got some weapons around. They've improved the offensive line. I can vouch for Mitch Morris as long as he's healthy. He's a really good player because I covered him in Kansas City. Um, you know, I think, I mean, here's the thing. A player like Allen is so mobile and elusive. He kind of negates like needing like an elite line because he can like get away and like do stuff, right? And that's what's special about Josh Allen, and that's why I'm buying Josh Allen stock. Hey, Trez, you, you your, your article is titled uh, uh, "Many Believe the Bills Can Have Josh Allen Be the Heir to the Franchise's Most Famous Face." That would be Jim Kelly. Is there pressure? Do you believe from your conversation with Josh to to replace Jim Kelly to to match up to Jim Kelly? That'd be an awful lot to live up to a Hall of Famer like that. Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't think that he was – I asked him about that, right? Because, I mean, the first thing I asked him was like, hey, how many times do Bills fans mention the early 90s Bills or like Jim Kelly? And like, hey, this is coming from fans. Like, fans are like, hey, you're the next Jim. Hey, we want you to be like Jim. And like, I think the thing is that Josh Allen truly loves the game of football. I think if you sit and talk to him for 30 minutes like I did, that comes through pretty clear. He's having the time of his life. He enjoys being the face of her. He's enjoying this. 
Um, this is all he ever wanted to do growing up. He used to sleep with a football in his bed. Like, he's enjoying this ride. So while this that's obviously, like, big – that's a big goal. Like, Jim Kelly's a Hall of Famer, right? Um, I don't think, like, the pressure of it's, like, weighing on him because he's just having so much fun. Um, and I think Bill's fans, like, are really passionate and, like – there's like a lot of, I guess there's pressure for him to do it, but like just because Bills fans say that, I don't feel like that means like people are going to start crushing him if he doesn't live up to that. Like I think they, I think there's, I think fans may say that, but also think they probably just want him to be who he is, and that's probably going to be good enough down the road. Well, if if the Bills are going to win more games, it's going to take more than Josh Allen. They've also done some work on their defense, and and do you think? this defense could be better than it was in 2018. It was number two overall yeah. in the league, uh, but it's going to be playing with a different kind of offense to complement this year. Yeah, and I think the thing you got to remember too here, man, I, I'm expecting a big year from Ed Oliver. Like, I think Ed Oliver might win rookie of the year defensively, okay? Um, they're playing him at three-tech instead of nose, which is what he played at Houston, even though he's barely 187 pounds. I'm sorry, 287 pounds. Oh, right. my God. Um but, like, he's he's a three-tech. He's a tailor-made classic three-tech. He's going to be getting upfield, and he's going to be looking to make plays. Like, I asked Brandon Bean, like, you guys are, hey, you guys are parking him at three-tech. Do you, you know, when you're doing this, like, is the goal for him basically to just get upfield, attack the shoulder, and kick some ass? And Bean was like, 100%. Like, so, yeah, um, I know how talented Ed is. Um, I think he's got a football mentality, I'll say. Uh, I think he's going to have an immediate impact early on, and I think he's going to help this defense. Tremaine Edmonds is another player they're really high on. They think he's really developed and grown over the last year. Um, they think he has a chance to be a star. Um, so I think you're looking at a lot of improvement from players that are young, um, and I do think there's a chance that Bill's defense is even better this year. Talking with Therese Paler, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. He wrote a big piece about Josh Allen on yahoosports.com. Back to a Josh question for you. I was thinking about it this week because the Bills are playing the Vikings tomorrow night here, Therese. Um, and last year, Josh's second start came against the Vikings. The Bills won that game. Josh jumped over linebacker Anthony Barr, which was fantastic, one of the season highlights. But <laughs> I don't think the Bills are looking for that from him this year. They want him to become more of a pocket passer. Is that in the cards from what you can tell from – from what he yeah, said and what the Bills said, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. Like, I don't think that was, like, part of the plan for no. him to run as much as he did last year, right? But uh, they also want to win games. So, like, they're not going to, like, tell him to, like, you know, outwardly, like, don't make plays. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, that's one of the best facets of his game. He's a big kid. You know, he can handle it. Um, but do they want him to get better as a passer? Absolutely. Does he need to get better as a passer? Absolutely. Does he need to stop forcing balls? Like, sure. Does the passing percentage need to improve? Absolutely. But um, guys like this are rare. Like, what makes him special is that he can do both. And in today's game, which is so wide open, like, I don't, I don't think it benefits, like, a special quarterback who can, like, run around and do stuff to, like, limit him to just being in the pocket. You want to work on the pocket stuff, but you still need to, like, let the player embrace who he is. Um, so I think there's a middle ground there, and I think Allen's got to walk it. One of the other things about this team, you asked, you talked about Ed Oliver and the impact you think he's going to make. There are other some late-round draft picks that may make an impact. We've seen him flash a little bit here in the preseason. Guys like uh, Daryl Johnson, the defensive end, and also Tommy Sweeney, the tight end. What are your thoughts about the young guys around who were drafted a little bit later uh, making an impact? Um, well, the first thing I'll, I'll also mention, um, Devin Singletary, 
who I thought it was interesting the Bills drafted him because they took him in the third round, even though he tested really poorly physically. And that's the kind of, like, the, the way he tested made him like a fifth-round pick or something. But being, like, really trusted eyes and his tape, and he saw that, you know, this is a guy that's just a good football player. So he said, screw it, I'm going to take this guy. Um, so they're really high on him. But you're right. Tommy Sweeney is a guy, another guy who didn't test great physically in the pre-draft process. You guys know that matters. Teams want to know if you have the talent in your body. Um, but Sweeney's just a football player. He blocks, he catches well, he knows his assignment, he's handled first-string reps, and he's a guy who's done all that um, and hasn't looked overwhelmed by the moment. So he's somebody they're really high on. And you mentioned Johnson. He's a physical freak. And, um, you know, that's somebody that they're really high on, that they think has got a chance to be a really good player down the road. So you're right. The Bills, you know, there's, you know, beyond just Ed Oliver, like they're excited about this draft class, man. And I, I got a chance to see why a little bit when I was up there. Uh, they're excited about the second year for Tremaine Edmonds, and you are too, right, Therese? You wrote about him a little bit. Yeah, I think Edmonds is a guy, again, his eyes are improving. You know, um, there's no doubt about the physical ability. Like, physically, this guy's got the good. You know, he is a freakish linebacker, um, probably in the 90th, 80th percentile among linebackers in the NFL as well, as well as physicality, when it comes to physicality. Um his thing is like he's just needed to train his eyes, <laughs> you know. Um, it took it takes it took him a while to process stuff, um, but he's gotten better there, and he's still a young guy. And oftentimes, what you see with players like that is that the more they play in this game, or they get to it, the faster they play. They think he has a chance to be something special. And I think Buffalo's defense, and, you know, the Bills are going to be able to get after some people this year. I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, and if he develops the way they think he does, you know, you're talking about some special young guys in the front seven now between him and Ed Oliver. Um, it'll be really fun to watch how those guys develop. Over the course of this past week, we, the whole league was shocked a little bit about the retirement of Andrew Luck. What are your thoughts on what the Colts do, move, how they move on with Jacoby Brissett? What's that going to do to the rest of the division and yeah. maybe even the conference? Well, I think it opens it up for the Jaguars of Texas. Um, you know, I think um, I think that um, I like the Jaguars. I think that other team that made the AFC Championship game two years ago and basically fell apart because they didn't believe in their quarterback anymore. Well, Nick Foles is Super Bowl winner. He should help with that. Um, and I think the Texans, uh, they, they, they're going to challenge for a winning record even though – very serious concerns about how they're protecting Deshaun Watson. So I think that opens up the division. I don't think Indianapolis is bad per se, but I think going from luck to percent changes their win, their ceiling from like 11, 12 wins to maybe nine, um, 10 if you're lucky. So um, that opens up the division. I do think only one team from that division is making the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see you know, who that is. Therese, you point out Brissett kind of went through a similar thing, not as long-term, but when he had to uh, jump in in place of uh, Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo a couple of years ago, he knows what it's like to kind of fill the shoes of a of a great quarterback, Jacoby Brissett. That might serve him well over the next couple of weeks, huh? You know, I think it will, which is why I don't think this is going to be like a bad play. I don't think it's going to be 2017 again. You know, these guys finished with a high pick. You know, I don't think that's coming. I think these guys are going to be – Pretty competitive. It's a good team around them, man. Like, it's one of the best young offensive lines in football. That offensive line, by the way, is now being coached by an absolute legend in the great Howard Mudd. Frank Reich is one of the best offensive minds in football. And their defense 
have one of the best young, is led by one of the best young defensive coordinators in football. This is a good team. Even with um, Andrew Luck gone, like Jacoby Brissett, by the way, I have a saying, the contract year is undefeated, right? Guess who's entering a contract year? Jacoby Brissett. Would not surprise me to see the Colts still finish 9-7 and seven, and maybe even push 10 wins. Again, I'm not thrilled about that division. I'm not certain that this has to be it for the Colts, man. I- I'm just not. Let me uh, switch uh, gears here a little bit because I, I watched, you know, the Bills got Vikings here tomorrow night. I watched um, Minnesota's preseason game number three last night, tape of that game. And I, I have to confess, I was surprised, almost shocked at Kirk Cousins and how poorly he played. Uh, it, now, I'm sure they're looking for Kirk Cousins to have a better year than he had a year ago. But from what I saw in last week's game, that's not a, that's may not happen. Well, do you have any thoughts on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings? Yeah, it doesn't really concern me very much. You know, they've basically built that entire, like, offense around the play action and, um, you know, the run game. They think the offensive line is going to be a lot better this year. And Kirk is so comfortable operating out of the play action. You know, teams don't run their best stuff in the in the preseason. So, like, I get it. Like, obviously you'd like to see him play better. But um, as far as, like, you know, being super concerned, and I'm not. Um, I had a chance to visit Minnesota during my camp tour, uh, which I did in the Buffalo. Actually, I went to Minnesota right before I got to Buffalo. Um, listen, as far as quarterbacks go, would I rather have Josh Allen? Yeah, I would. Um, I think Josh has a chance to be special. But um, that doesn't mean that Kirk Cousins won't be solid enough for those guys to win the division or um, you know, advance in the playoffs. Like That might be possible, but he is definitely a guy where like the defense is going to have to be on point, which is a possibility. You know, Mike Zimmer is a great defensive coach. Mm-hmm. and like The run game is going to have to be on point. You see that work in the NFL with a quarterback like that about once every seven years, once every eight years. It happened last time with Joe Flacco in 2012, but even then the quarterback's got to get hot like um, you know Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson and Joe Flacco that year uh, before him. So, you know, not the end of the world, but, um, yeah, would you rather have a guy that just outwardly makes, like, crazy plays and can, like, win in January but with the sheer talent? Yeah, you would, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, – you know, that's going to keep the Vikings from getting where they want to go. How big a difference can Gary Kubiak make uh, with this? Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, very rarely does Gary Kubiak go to a place and the quarterbacks play worse. You know, it just never happens. Right. And Kubiak's amazing, you know. So, um, he's a quarterback guru. He is a play-action guru. He is somebody that knows what he's doing on that side of the ball. And I think adding him to Stefanski, who is really highly regarded – He's going to be a head coach in this league sooner rather than later. But they know what Kirk Cousins does best, and they weren't going to show all of that, um, you know, during this uh, preseason. You'll see. You know, the, 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 I'm sorry, the Vikings are going to be okay. And, um, you know, I, I expect the Vikings to contend for the interview. Therese Paler, our guest from YahooSports.com. Therese, uh, we're right down the road from Cleveland, the capital of NFL offseason hype this summer. Uh, is the hype yeah. warranted? And, and what role does Freddie Kitchens have to play down there to kind of keep everybody on the same page? Yeah, I spent some time in, in Cleveland, too, um, trying to learn what Freddie Kitchens' uh, yeah, leadership style is like. He took some stuff from Nick Saban, um, Bill Parcells. Um, but more than anything, he just seems like a cool dude, and I think that's going to help him. Um, I think it will help that team to get off to a good start because they do have a lot of big personalities. I think they're going to put up a lot of points this year, though. Like Baker Mayfield and Odell are legit. Those guys are going to put up a lot of points this year. Um, the defense, Steve Wilkes is in charge. He knows what he's doing. You know, I think the Bills are. Con- I'm sorry. I think the Browns are contend for the AFC North, but I do like the Steelers more. I think the drama-free Steelers are going to win that division. 
Hmm. I want to ask you about the team you covered for so many years, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, who came in and just exploded uh, onto the scene last year with an MVP year. Uh, But things have changed on his side of the ball. How's Andy Reid going to make up for the loss of some of the players that got him to the AFC Championship last year? Yeah, I don't think they're worried about that, to be honest, guys. I think um, offensively, they expect to be really good again. And defensively, they think they've upgraded at defensive end. Um, remember, they, they let go of Justin Houston and D4, but they think Frank Clark and then the combination of ends they've got is an upgrade. And they also think they're better at safety simply because they're very barely played last year. So, um, you know, they think that Tyron Matthew is going to bring leadership and he's going to be there. Between Matthew and Clark, they're going to hold players on the defense accountable in a kind of way they've lacked in the past January, so at least not had enough of, um, and try to prevent more defensive collapses. So they're better on defense. I agree with them. I do think they're better on defense. And, um, you know, the Chiefs got better this offseason. Whether it's good enough to get to the Super Bowl, you know, we'll see. But the Chiefs did get better this offseason. Therese, who wins that division? The Chiefs? The Chargers? Oh, yeah. yeah. Chiefs? The Chiefs will win the division. Yeah, the Chiefs will win the division. I don't like the Chargers dealing with this Gordon thing, Nolan Gordon thing, and, like, their tackle situation. Like, also, Ocon's questionable. And then the right tackle's been a question the whole time, too. I just, I'm, look, Phillip Rivers can't really move, so you got to be able to protect them. I, I, that, th- these are concerns, you know? So, um, I actually think the Bills have a chance to, like, <laughs> I think the Bills will make the wild card or contend for it at least. And I think, you know, the Browns will make a wild card, too, you know, make the wild card round, too. I, wow. I think the AFC West is getting one team out of there. I think it's going to be Kansas City. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Hey, Tress, thanks for this. Good stuff on the Bills. We're going to encourage people to keep an eye on that. Thank you for joining us today. Hope we talk again soon. Yeah, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. Listen, I don't want to disagree with Therese Paler because he certainly, I think, knows more about the AFC West than I do, or at least he's more familiar with it, covering the Chiefs formerly. No way only one team out of the AFC West is making it this year. The Chargers are so talented. Okay, they're not going to beat New England in New England and Foxborough like maybe I thought and others thought last year. Fine. They can't get over that hump. They're too good to not make the playoffs. They are loaded at every position, even running back without Melvin Gordon. Honestly, I think they're better at running back without Melvin Gordon. And at the very least, they're equal. They're good. There's n- I would be floored if the Bills are better than the Chargers or the Chiefs. It's- I just can't see it. I think the Chargers... Now, I have to pick a new AFC Super Bowl team. I had Saints-Colts as the Super Bowl. Now that Luck's retired, I might tell you the Chargers. I might tell you the Chargers are the best team in the AFC. Probably wouldn't predict that because they can never get over the Patriots. But if you've heard me on recent shows, I don't. Uh, I think New England's taking a step back. I still think they're going to win the division. In fact, I'll make a bold prediction pertaining to New England after the break. I'll make a bold prediction on the Patriots. I should probably be careful, and we'll see. If you want to warn me, if you care about me, and you want to, you you don't want to see me be embarrassed. Now's your chance to kind of talk me off the ledge. But I'm going to make a bold prediction on the Patriots after the break. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi on WGR.
I always value most the contacts I have direct with the players and I had mentioned to you that I've spoken to all the players and I had a very long call with Risto early on and you know at the end of May or it was the middle of May actually and all the indications there were to be behind what we're doing here as a coaching staff and so that's my mandate is to take the players that are under contract here right now and get the best out of them. I'm excited to work with him. That is Ralph Kruger, the Sabre coach, last week speaking on Rasmus Ristolainen. There was a bit of Sabre news today. It was not a Ristolainen trade. It was not a Ristolainen trade, but there was a bit of news. Jason Bottrell released a statement essentially saying that Matt Hunwick will not be playing for the Sabres this year due to a neck condition. And that likely means he will end up on long-term injured reserve, him and his $2.25 million cap hit. With that going on long-term IR, the Sabres would be basically at the cap, and the guys that would get sent down, entry-level deals, whether they are or not, you're going to end up under the cap no matter what. So even though they're technically over the cap still, they're going to be under the cap, even if they do nothing else other than just send down the guys you're going to end up sending down anyway. So... Hunwick's out of the picture now, and I kind of figured that would happen, whether he was going to be waived or he was going to be traded as like a favor, someone taking him on to get to like the cap floor. Like he, I didn't see a scenario where that guy was playing here this year. He's was the he's been the forgotten man whenever we're talking about how many defensemen they have. Even when you're just listing them, just just for the sheer hilarity of how many defensemen there are. You would still forget Hunwick even when you're trying to do that. And honestly, I didn't think he was that bad for them last year, like given what he was, which was a throw-in to a trade. We saw some of the other throw-ins, Berglund, Sabotka. You know, he was fine. For a third-pair defenseman in a pinch, fine. Like in injury situations. But Obviously, the way the Sabres are trying to build their blue line, you're trying to fix it. And you don't want a 34-year-old guy at the end of his career doing it. So, hopefully his neck injury isn't too serious, isn't career-threatening. Maybe he just needs a year to recover. Maybe he needed six months to recover, and you might as well take the whole year off anyway. But, I didn't see a scenario where that guy was going to make this team. He was going to end up in Rochester or something like this, where he's now on long-term IR. So, that's one guy out. But, if you're keeping score... And if you're paying attention, no other defenseman has been moved off the roster. Still going to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. And I'm still got my fingers crossed that Bogosian's going to be the guy that gets traded um, or Scandella. Those are the cap dump guys or the bad contract guys. Even Ristolainen overpaid, sure. But yes, he has more value. He is doing something for me. He is good. Is he great? No. Is he supposed to be on my top pair? No. But on my second pair, on my second power play, on my second penalty kill, he's a, at least some sort of valuable to me. I think you can get more value if you trade him, but he's some sort of valuable if he's on my team. Whereas I, you got a lot of dead weight, and you're getting the dead weight off, and that's kind of what, you know, Hunwick, you, you wish it happened another way. It's not a neck, you wish it wasn't a neck injury or condition, but. Hunwick uh, was some dead weight that was still left over on this roster, and that's one piece of dead weight gone. You still got Bogosian to go. You still got Scandella to go. You still have Sabotka. You still have Gergensen's and Larson and Wilson. Like, there's a lot of dead weight hanging around here. And Hunwick was really the first guy that we've seen a solution to. 
And it's August 28th. Camp is coming. It's a few weeks away. You forget that because football season's coming and because hockey season, the lead up to hockey season kind of happens about the same time as the lead up to football season. It kind of gets swept under the rug. But training camp's coming. And it's hard for me to see unless the dam is broken with all these RFAs and teams start making moves, which they haven't really been able to do because everyone's so log jammed with their RFAs, Ristolainen's going to be at Sabre camp. There's a very good chance Ristolainen's going to be at Sabre camp. And, you know, I hope he doesn't mind, but people are going to ask him about all the trade rumors and the trade discussion. And one thing I like about Ristolainen, this isn't an on-the-ice thing, but one thing I like about Ristolainen is Guy's a straight shooter when he when he's answering questions. So it'll be interesting to hear if what he has to say if indeed he's on this roster and shows up to training camp. I would imagine he'd show up to training camp. He said he was going to. He didn't know which NHL camp he would be going to, but he said he would be going to one uh, in that Finnish uh, interview or article that he did uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's happening. That's one less blue liner to worry about where he's going to end up being. Uh, looks like Matt Hunwick is bound for long-term injured reserve. All right, I'm going to take a little bit of an early timeout here because I do want to do a little bit more on the Bills-Vikings game tomorrow and specifically on Tyree Jackson. Um, what he's playing for tomorrow, whether it makes sense to keep him around, the type of training camp and preseason he's had so far, I don't think it's anything that we would have hoped to have come. Um but there's one more game left, and he's going to get the whole thing. So, Tyree Jackson. I got a few thoughts on him after the break. It's the Nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's hard for rookie quarterbacks to play in this league, to come in and be comfortable, and I think he's gotten more comfortable with each exposure, at least in the games, and um, he's been in the games in good situational moments at the end of games, most of his opportunities in that regard, so um, I've seen him grow in those areas for sure. I just realized, thank you to a couple of you that pointed this out on Twitter, I teased a bold Patriots prediction And no, I didn't get talked out of it. I'm going to make it, trust me. I'll do it before we get out of here for sure. i got about 10 minutes left here. But Tyree Jackson, I want to address uh, his position with the team right now. That was Sean McDermott speaking on the Bills quarterback, the former UB product. If you're a big UB fan, you might be looking forward to tomorrow night's game, thinking, all right, Tyree Jackson, our guy. He's playing the whole game. It's right here in town. Let's go see him. But it just coincidentally happens to be on the same night as the UB season opener. So, if you are a super diehard UB football fan, what are you picking tomorrow? You going Tyree Jackson? I think you're going Tyree Jackson in his in the full preseason game for the Bills. Because, you know, it's college football and UB's not some powerhouse, but they're playing an FCS team, Robert, Robert Morris. Like, they should, it should be a pretty easy win for them, I would hope. So, maybe the UB fans are picking Tyree Jackson, I don't know though. But... 
Whether he can make it onto the practice squad with a good performance tomorrow, whether he's already on the practice squad, I don't really see a scenario where he makes this team's active roster. I went into training camp in the preseason wondering if he could have the type of performance throughout the summer that could put him in competition for Matt Barkley. And holy cow, has that not even come close to happening. Not only has Tyree struggled mightily, which, you know, fair enough, he's a rookie and he's raw, but Barkley's been the best quarterback in preseason football in the entire league. So even if Tyree was great, he wasn't winning the backup job. So maybe he ultimately ends up where he was always going to end up, which is the practice squad. But he might need a good performance even for that. I don't know. What do you think? 803 is the phone number. Let's go to Harry. Harry, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, thanks a lot. Real quick, I'm actually going to watch the UB game live, and I'll watch the Bills game on delay. Okay, fair enough. That's good. I want to see the new quarterback. I want to see the freshman sensation, Matt Myers. Matt Myers, yep. Anyway, I am a big UB fan. I was really psyched that uh, the Bills took Tyree. He's been brutal. (laughs) He really left college too soon, whether he stayed at UB or transferred to another school. He should have played another year in college. Yep. That said, he hasn't done enough to get on the practice squad. However... I've been watching San Diego preseason games, and I've been watching Cardale Jones, and he was a bill, and he was pretty bad, too. And Anthony Lynn took Cardale on, you know, nurtured him a little bit, and honestly, you know, he's giving, Ty- he's giving Tyrod Taylor a run for the number two job. So that could be an argument. Well, you know, if you get Tyree sometime, maybe he can, be- he can develop to that, that same kind of level quarterback that Cardale Jones is right now. Yeah, Harry, thanks for the call. Like that's a that's an interesting comparison cuz Cardell, if you remember when the Bills drafted him, project always was labeled a project. And obviously that's what he is because we're going into how long has Cardell Jones been in the league now? And he's fighting for a backup job. So, at the end of the day, is it worth it? And in this case, I think maybe you would say yes. And it's not even just it's not just Tyree and how he's looked. It's having a third quarterback that knows the offense and also having a developmental quarterback that maybe one day could be your backup. I mean, Matt Barkley's under contract for two more years. Tyree could be on the practice squad this year and next year. It's a lot of development to do as a quarterback. And you would hope that maybe he gets to a point where he could become the backup because ultimately I think what you want is to have a backup quarterback that allows you to not have to change the offense if your starter goes down. And that happens around the league a lot. Last year when Joe Flacco was taken out for Lamar Jackson, the Ravens had an entirely different offense. And now, what you see is behind Lamar Jackson, because they don't want that to happen again, not that it didn't work out, I mean they went 6-0 and after they changed, RG3, mobile quarterback. Trace McSorley, mobile quarterback. Their backups are a similar skill set to who their starter is. And I think ultimately that's what you want. And it's hard to find guys with similar skill sets as Josh Allen. And you've got one. He is incredibly raw. I get it. And he's been pretty brutal in the the preseason. But if it comes down to him versus somebody else that I'm bringing in off the street, and I'm a guy that always thinks about what a guy's ceiling is, And just because of his size and his physical abilities, athleticism, it's probably very likely he is nothing in the NFL. But if there's a slim to none chance that he's great or that he's even as good a backup as you're going to get for the style of quarterback you have in Josh Allen, 
go for it. Take the shot. Take the risk. Put a practice squad uh, designation on him. You kind of already are getting one free anyway because you can put Christian Wade on there. So think of it that way. Hey, I'm already got Christian Wade, so almost pretend that Christian Wade's on the practice squad and Tyree's the extra. But I think ultimately they would want a third quarterback anyway that knows the offense. So I wonder how much it even matters what he does tomorrow. He might just be bound for the practice squad. All right, I said I had a bold prediction on the New England Patriots, and I have one for you. I think it's pretty bold. It's not the boldest take you've ever heard. It's not the boldest prediction you've ever heard. But I think bold. Although, now I'm, now I'm self-conscious about it. Maybe it's not bold enough. Maybe I don't want to label it bold. But I'll just say it. I think week 16, Bills at Patriots will be for first place in the division. How about that? How about that? I don't think the Bills are going to win it. I think New England's going to win the division. But I think New England takes a small step back this year with no Gronk. Brady, you know, he he's not going to hit the cliff. Maybe he's going down the ramp. A nice slow decline. But a, maybe a minuscule decline. But a decline nonetheless. They have a very easy schedule. I, I agree. I think New England's going to be about a 10-11 win team. I think the Bills are going to be about an 8 or 9 win team. And I think week 16, if it's only a game or two of separation, maybe you have to figure out tiebreakers here or something. I think week 16, Bills-Patriots is for first place in the division. I like the Bills this year. I don't think they get in as a wildcard team. In fact, it's probably probably be bolder if I said I think they're likely or chances to win the division, but I think I've said that before. And that's why I don't see them making the playoffs. Because even though I think we they might still be in it late in the season, I just can't I can't bet against New England entirely. You just can't do it. I know Brady's forty two. I know they don't have the best tight end ever anymore, but they always find a way to do it. So there's my bold prediction for you. How bold is that? Bold enough? I think it's pretty bold. Week sixteen. It's week sixteen. It's not even like it's week twelve. If it was week 12, it'd probably be bold. So yeah, I'm like, no, you know what? Go ahead. I'm not self like I'm not self-conscious about it anymore. I'm I think I'm doing fine here. Week 16, which by the way, time to be decided. After week eight. After week eight. That game will be decided on when it's played. Could be on a Saturday night. Which would be primetime. Bills at Patriots for the division. Week 16. How does that sound? Alright. That's it for me tonight. I think it's a good note to go out on. Nice optimistic note. And enjoy the game tomorrow. I'm sure... I, I really do believe it's going to be the most entertaining fourth preseason game that we've seen. I just like Tyree Jackson being in it. Christian Wade. Like, there's things to actually watch for. And there's a lot of roster competition, obviously. I'll be back with you on Friday night at 7. Actually, before that, I'll be back with you uh, for post-game tomorrow. Me and Nate Geary will break down the game, and we will kind of project the 53-man roster as best we can after Bills and Vikings, which is tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And then I'll have to be back for the nightcap Friday at 7. And then I'll be on for Sports Talk Saturday at 11. So you get a lot of me in the coming days. This has been the Nightcap with Jody Biasi. NASCAR fans, stay tuned because you've got pit reporters on the way next right here on WGR.
baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.